Welcome to the pen and the yod. This week's Torah portion is Yitro. Rabbi Michael Siegel from Anshayamit Synagogue in Chicago sits down with author Jonathan Eig and talks about Jethro or Amalek, the rewards, dangers, and responsibilities for Jews living in a non-Jewish world. How do we live in a world with non-Jews? That's the question that is going to get raised in our portion this week. But as Americans, we are constantly thinking about this on some level, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, how, what choice do we have? If you have a Jewish identity, you are almost anywhere in this country, you're going to feel like a minority. You've got to figure out how to fit in and how to make it work without losing your identity. It's true. It, what struck me about your answer was that you said, what choice do we have? I said, <laughs> well, we could go live in a Jewish state. Right. We could do that if we wanted to. But we choose... To live in the diaspora. That's right. And that is a double-edged sword. Yeah. Um, and it's, it goes back to the question that we're asked from the time we start Hebrew school, what does it mean to be a Jew in this country? Because you've got to teach the kids. That doesn't come naturally. You can't just figure it out because it's, it's weird, right? You know, we're not a visible minority like some others. We're not, we don't come here speaking a different language that makes us force ourselves to, to assimilate in a, in a really clear and obvious way in which the language will will guide your uh, path. We have to teach this, and we really don't know how to do that. Right. And are we American Jews or are we Jewish Americans? That was the question I think we grew up with. Right. I don't think our kids are asking those questions. No, I don't think so. And I think that their sense of these questions has changed. And part of that's reflected in the intermarriage rates, right? It's, I think it's 70% according to the Pew study. That certainly says that our children feel very comfortable in this society. And that, again, is a double-edged sword. So let's see how the Torah balances this. And spoiler alert. It's not going to be it's not going to be as assimilation. <laughs> right. It's not going to be quite as clear as we want it to be. The Torah is a lot more comfortable with ambiguity than we are. So last week when we read about the splitting of the sea in Bishalach, the portion ends with the children of Israel marching forward and meeting someone by the name of Amalek. Amalek is a chieftain. He has a tribe, he has an army, and he does not want the Israelites anywhere near him, and he attacks them. And it's a very difficult war. It's the first military test of these Israelites. They're slaves no more, and free people have to be willing to protect their freedoms. And Moses goes up on this mountain, and, and while he raises his hands up, they go into, they're proving more victorious in the battle. But if his arms fall down, then they're now in danger. And it's all about faith. It's all about God being with you and pointing heavenward and all of the rest. But in our tradition, Amalek becomes the very embodiment of wanton aggression, hatred. Amalek is the symbol of anti-Semitism, the raw hatred, the irrational hatred of the Jew. So if that's what the story leads us to, you know, you've got Pharaoh on one end of the water and Amalek on the other end of the water, if this is what's waiting for you, then the message is clear. You can't trust non-Jews. But then our portion begins with Yitro. And let's remember that Yitro is the portion that contains the Ten Commandments. And this portion is named after Jethro, Moses' father-in-law. Moses' father-in-law, who 
took him in. Remember, this is the priest of Midian. This is the one when Moses escapes from Egypt originally after killing the Egyptian taskmaster. It's Yitro that takes him in. It's Yitro that manifests the value of Hafnas al-Rahim, of taking care of the stranger. All the things that Abraham did, this man who is not Jewish, represents a different religious tradition, is practicing those same values. So Moses goes and he tells all that had happened. And not only does Yitro celebrate Moses's story, but he also celebrates God and offers a sacrifice. So he is capable of acknowledging the God of Israel without converting to Judaism. Maybe because his daughter married into the tribe? Yeah, so he has a vested interest. He has a vested interest in this. At no time does he evince any sort of resentment about that, that his daughter is now part of a people that worships one God zealously. What happens in the story now is that Dietro is going to observe Moses And Moses is trying to adjudicate everything, and everything centers on Moses. And Yitro finally pulls him aside and says, you're going to wear yourself out, and basically gives him uh, the first course in an MBA series about how to delegate responsibility, how to think about a hierarchical chart in a business situation. So we also learn that the non-Jewish world can impart a great deal of knowledge. So one portion ends with Amalek, the one who God will be at war at, according to the Torah, for all time. And the one who we're going to have to blot out, we're going to have to fight. And on the other hand, you have Yitro. So where's the balance? How do we understand that? Well, it's, as you said, ambivalent. It's uh, ambiguous. But isn't that just the real world? You you meet strangers and some of them are going to be cruel and some of them are going to be kind. Um, In this case, we're a new tribe. We've formerly slaves. We feel like we are vulnerable. We, we are vulnerable. We're without a home. So these are bigger, heavier issues, right? Who to trust and who not to trust becomes more important when your survival is on the line. It's, it's another thing when it's just a question of you know, making friends in a new community when you're, when you're powerful and well-established. Don't you think that that's uh, a little too pat as an approach? The reality is, is this people is claiming, number one, they worship the one true God in a polytheistic universe where everybody has multiple gods and they sort of accept each other's gods as gods. They don't question whether or not they're a god. They can be weaker, they can be stronger, but they're all, you know, they're, they're pretty open to that. Jews are saying, no, we're, in fact, we're going to destroy your gods. No, there's only one god. And by the way, we are the people who are the descendants of the one that God chose, Abraham. I can see how that might get under someone's skin. Yeah, it might seem arrogant to those who have uh, other beliefs, and that's going to be true you know, for, forever um, for, for any religion, really. If you challenge another person's beliefs, you're going to face some hostility. Right. We see ourselves as the light to the nations. And so there are those that can celebrate that God and say, okay, I'm really happy for you. And this God of yours is great. And we're going to see that in certain Christian groups today, the evangelicals, for instance, who celebrate the, the Jewish tradition and celebrate our return to Israel. There are others that are going to look at us as Christ killers. And we are speaking at a time when anti-Semitism is on the rise. Speaking at a time when there was an election in England where Jeremy Corbyn, who was leading the Labour Party, was espousing such anti-Semitic beliefs that the chief rabbi of England actually felt compelled to make a statement about him. That there are 
all kinds of violent acts being taken mostly in the Orthodox community. So who are we talking to? Do we look at Amalek or do we look at Yitro? And how do we find the balance there? Yeah, and I wonder, I've always kind of questioned or thought about why we feel the need to declare that we are the light to the world. It almost seems antagonistic, right, to say to these other religions, these other nations, no, you've got it all wrong. We are going to show you the right way because we are the chosen ones. Why can't we just live and let live? Well, we could if we want to ignore the Torah. <laughs> and oops. by the way, plenty, oops, right, plenty of Jews to think about it exactly that way. But if you think about the manner in which the Torah develops, you have the failure of Adam, the failure of Noah's generation. And what God wants is for the world to acknowledge God as creator. So Abraham is chosen and God wants Abraham at an old age to have this people going forward and gives them a land in order that they will be a beacon to the world. That's our mission statement. That's who we are. And as Heschel once said, we're the messengers who forgot the message. But the message brings with it its own challenges. We want to, in America, and I think you said it very well, in America, we want to assimilate. We want to, look, we're just another religion like any other religion. But actually, no religion is just all that passive. Islam is not that passive as a religion as we know. Christianity, as understood, has its own view of what the end of days is going to look like in the second coming. And Jews have their own view of how we will, how the world will come to understand the rightness and the oneness of God. That's all part of it. But then there's the reality of how we live today. Where are we today? We can make our contributions to the larger world and not worry about whether or not you acknowledge me and the rightness of my cause, but rather live a life that is worthy of emulation. But Jews in America especially are choosing to believe that America is different, that American ideals will save the day. And we are doubling down on that. Everywhere you go today, there are Jews out front, whether you're looking at impeachment efforts that have been going on in Congress, and you've got from Jerry Nadler to Adam Schiff to the majority of characters, Alexander Vidman, Ambassador Sondland. Here you have all of these Jews out there, people who have embraced the American experience, serving somewhere, but we know that Amalek is out there. You know, what's interesting to me about that is all the people you mentioned and, and almost all of the, the leading, most prominent Jews in America outside the religious community don't talk about their Jewishness. They speak out when there's an act of anti-Semitism, and it's, it's easy to say, that was wrong, I'm a Jew, but you don't hear them trying to be a beacon to the other nations. You don't hear that. It's difficult for us, the assimilated American Jews, to actually talk about religious values as opposed to just speaking out when there's an act of anti-Semitism to respond to. You know, it's interesting. As I was listening to you talk, what came to mind was the fact that throughout Jewish history, until the Middle Ages, really, we did not have philosophic tracks or a, system, a systematized understanding of theology. If I wanted to know your theology, I would watch what you did and not listen to what you said. So... How did, did you give charity? Do you observe the holidays? Do you run your business in a way that promotes Jewish values? That's how I know whether or not you are part of 
the Jewish world. When you look at the Ten Commandments, you have the first half are all about God. Are you conscious of your responsibilities as to how to live in this world? And I would suggest to you that the manner in which these people have conducted themselves either speak to Jewish values or speak against Jewish values. But I can tell you that they're aware of them. It's in their genetic code. That's what I believe. I believe that too. I think it's if you're raised in the faith and if you are educated in the faith, it embeds itself in who you are and, and what matters to you. But I wonder whether we're living our lives in a way in which the second five commandments are stressed and not the first five. If you're saying that the first five are about our dedication to God and the second five are about how we treat man, are we taking the second five more seriously than the first five? Well, I hope that we're taking any of them seriously, but yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll settle for I think I think those are the ones we focus on. We don't really focus on the, the first ones. We don't talk about using God's name in vain. Right. right? We don't true. focus on that. I mean, the starting commandment is, I'm the Lord your God. Belief is, you know, uh, acknowledgement is, is the beginning of it. I think that's a challenge because it really leads us back to this issue. Who are we? What do we represent? Because at the end of the day, no matter what you do with the Ten Commandments, you're still going to be seen, seen as a Jew in this world. That's the story. You can't really escape that. And Amalek is out there. We can see that, and I uh, think the, uh, the Internet has, has really opened the door to giving Amalek a voice in this world. But at the same time, Yitro exists, and it's really living with that tension, living with that balance that I think is going to tell the story of American Jewry just as it has throughout the ages. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you.